Æ, þetta er terrorisko og þú ert að lista á best frequencies forever. Bab.fm to plan from a secret location uh, by Jessica. Jessica, can you hear me? Uh, I can't. Hang on. Let me see. Okay. Try it again. Can you hear me? Jessica? Okay. Hang on. All right, Jess, can you hear me now? Okay, we are going to go to a song while I try to uh, get this technical issue figured out. And then when we come back, hopefully Jessica will be joining us. Uh, She's currently in the North Pole volunteering with Santa. So um, it's, you know, tough to get a hold of her. But we will be back right after this song. La strada è piena La folla intorno a me Mi parla e ride E nulla sa di te Sera, 
Okay, welcome back. Um, that was Ch- Chita Vuoto by Mina. And um, Jessica, can you hear me now? I can't hear you for some reason. I don't know why it's not working on either output. Let me try it one more time. Okay, now can you hear me? Ah, Okay. If any of you guys listening would like to troubleshoot this for me and let me know why I can't hear Jess coming through the board, that would be great. Um, We are at BFF TV on the radio. We'd love to hear from you. Um, And let me go to another song while I try to figure this out. Come stai, bambina? Dove vai stasera? Che paura intorno È la fine del mondo Sopra la rovina sono una regina Mamma mamma non so cosa salvare Sono pezzi già mi manchi Occhi dolci, cuori infranti Che spavento come il vento Questa terra sparirà Nel silenzio della crisi generale Hey, can you hear me? Uh, hang on. Can you hear me?
Okay, we're back. We're going to try this one more time. Jessica, can you hear me? I can't hear you. No fucking Christmas miracle. No, not through the board for some reason. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's a conspiracy. Maybe Mike White is um, <laughs> making sure that we don't release any theories about the show before uh, season two of The White Lotus airs. It's final episode tonight, and we find out who is floating in the ocean. Um, <clears throat> all right, let me uh, switch out the ox one more time and give this a shot. Okay. Now Hello. can you can you hear me? Hello. I can hear you. I still can't hear you through the board though. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I can hear myself echoing around the room now. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go to another song and see if we can figure this out. And then um I don't know, guys. Capitalism, rich people might be trying to keep us from um airing our theories about the white lotus, of which we have many. Um we'll be back right after this song, hopefully. perduti a rincorrere il vento, a chiederci un bacio e volerne altri cento, 
un giorno qualunque li ricorderai amore che fuggi da me tornerai un giorno qualunque li ricorderai amore che fuggi da me che con gli occhi di un altro colore mi dici le stesse parole d'amore fra un mese, fra un anno scordate le avrai amore che vieni da me fuggirai tra un mese, tra anno, scordate le avrai, amore che vieni da me fuggirai. Venuto dal sole o da spiagge gelate, perduto in novembre o con Io t'ho amato sempre, non t'ho amato mai, amore che vieni, amore che vai. Io t'ho amato sempre, non t'ho amato mai, amore che vieni, amore che vai. Okay, <clears throat> welcome back. Um, Jess, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, um, I cannot hear you through the board for some reason, so we are going to go uh, really old school, and I'm going to hold you up to the microphone. <laughs> so <laughs> anyone who's listening, if you guys, first of all, I apologize for the terrible audio for this episode, but also, if it's truly unlistenable, just uh, tweet at us. We're at BFF TV on the radio, and we would uh, not love to hear that it's unlistenable, but um, let us know, and we'll switch to a rerun. Um, all right, so let's give this a shot and see if it works. Um, so today we are talking about season two of The White Lotus, the HBO show by Mike White. I am famously on the record as having hated season one, with the fire of a thousand penises that were thrown my way. Um, and season two, still decided to watch it because I'm nothing if not a glutton for punishment. So um, joke's on me because I love season two. I guess all you need to do is put Aubrey Plaza looking bitchy in a Sicilian location and I am all the way back in. What did you think, Jess? I love it. Um can you hear me in your headphones at all? I can't really hear you in my headphones now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's, um, let's just give this right. a shot. Uh, yeah, I, I love the show. Uh, I heard, I don't know, I wasn't that, I liked season one. I wasn't that excited about a second season for some reason. Um, but yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, 
I definitely want to go to Sicily now. Yeah, and 100%. Yeah, it feels like, um, you know, sort of a, a similar meditation on, like, rich people and, you know, who they just sort of, the destruction they leave in their wake. But uh, I don't know, it's different. It feels like a, uh, you said that it feels more, um, I don't know, less predatory. Less yeah. about the, uh, how the havoc they wreak on, like, the staff and, you know, native people in Hawaii. And this was, I don't know, It's it feels a little bit more like, a more even playing field, but for sure, obviously it's not. Yeah. I feel like the big difference is that this season, the rich people are sort of their own worst enemies and not just wreaking havoc on the local population. And I also feel like the local population um, is one that won't be fucked with. <laughs> um, so <Yeah>. they're <laughs> definitely, they appear to be definitely more in on what they can get out of it, which I appreciate. I did find the first well, season. We'll see who ends up yeah that's true it's gonna be all locals but um yeah I did um find the first season pretty predatory I felt like it it's obviously a very harsh indictment on capitalism and wealth um but I felt like it just yeah I I just wasn't satisfied with just seeing the wealthy people walk away unscathed even though that's what we see every day um and I feel like this season is much more of, while it's still an indictment on capitalism, it's also an indictment on men. And I'm here for that in 2022. <laughs> it's pretty harsh about masculinity this season. Um, and the show is uh, really heavily focused on masculinity this season. Mm-hmm. And uh, the men are not all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go start with the, the three generations of men then? Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Doing what what uh, Italians or Sicilians, I guess, love to do, which is find their ancestral like village that they came from, and then go annoy people there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh that scene in particular. Uh, it focuses on the three men, three generations of the DeGrasso family: the grandfather Bert, the son Dominic, who's a famous Hollywood producer, we're led to believe, and then his son Albie. Um, who's adorable and the most terrifying man on this show for my money. <laughs> um, but they uh, set out to find the original DeGrasso's from this little town in Sicily and they show up at somebody's house and are bewildered when these three women who are approached by these three men who don't speak Italian and want to come in and uh, make pasta with Nona are... Uh, basically yelled at and told to get all the way fucking off the property. And uh, Bert in particular takes it very hard because he can't go home again. And just the notion that complete strangers would be so honored to have these Americans show up on their doorstep is uniquely American. And I say that as somebody who was raised in Ireland, a land where many people go to claim their heritage. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I've lived quite a few versions of that story I worked at the airport so uh yeah I I saw it all people in shillelagh hats weeping as they got off the airplane so that really really (laughs) resonated for me um yeah I feel like a lot of this season is about uh male entitlement and I really enjoy how each of these men the you know three generations feel entitled to women in a different way Mm -hmm. like we start with 
excuse me, we start with uh, Dom, who's played by Michael Imperioli, who I love. Yeah, great to see him um, getting some work. He arrives in Sicily and has hired a prostitute to keep him company for the entire week that they're there. And, uh, and then, of course, Bert, the grandfather, just, you know, arrives in Sicily, does not speak it. Do they speak a different language in Sicily than Italian? I anyway. don't know. Doesn't speak a word of the local language, just expects to be escorted to this village where he has this fantasy of, you know, probably being welcomed with open arms by this big family and fed a, you know, gorgeous outdoor meal handmade by all the, all the women in the family and is just like crushed when that doesn't come true. Like this, this idea of just like having distant relatives there entitles him to some sort of like homecoming parade (laughs) or whatever. And then I was texting you earlier this week about how I just find Albie so heartbreaking. He's got such a sweet face and it feels like he's going to be, you know, crushed by life at some point. And then you got that. <laughs> Your response was that you hate that stupid asshole. <laughs> yeah. And I really like, I was like, oh, but he's just like such a babe in the woods that I really came around to your way of thinking when he uh, ends up sleeping with a prostitute who he doesn't realize is a prostitute until the next morning when he owes her $2,000. But then asks her to come back a second night and, but doesn't want to pay, which he frames as not wanting to give money to a potentially, you know, abusive or manipulative pimp that he thinks that she's paying to, Mm -hmm. which is just like such a a fascinating and advanced way to twist around like, (laughs) being a, a male ally or a feminist. Yeah. Like, I want the second night for free, baby. Yeah. <laughs> incredible. Incredible work. Yeah. He was going to grow up to be an absolute fucking monster. Oh, 100%. I hated Albie from basically the second scene where he, or the second episode where he uh, tries to get together with Portia, one of the other guests in the hotel, and um, he tells her that he likes pretty wounded birds. And it's just, Mm -hmm. it's, as you said, like that misguided allyship. Like, Albie is the worst kind of monster because he truly thinks he is, like, on the side of right. And he thinks that he, he's, he's woke and informed and he knows, you know, he respects women and this, that, and the other. And he does on the surface, but he absolutely does nothing to interrogate his role in patriarchal society. And mm-hmm. uh, all Albie wants, Albie 100%, he went to Stanford, he's going to come back to the Bay Area, he will run a hedge fund, he'll somehow, he doesn't quite know how, will end up married to his much younger secretary and he'll like... <laughs> think of himself as a hero for the rest of his life. And one of the things I found particularly interesting is in that scene where he's having sex with Lucia, the prostitute, he, she, she's basically trying to coax him to orgasm. And then the second night when he does decide that he's going to sleep with her again, um, and now knowing that she's a prostitute and it's a transactional, uh, you know, it's transactional sex, basically. He has absolutely no problem pounding mm-hmm. Lucia. Um, and I just think, yeah, he is the just the worst kind of monster because he's somebody who thinks that he's doing all the right things and will never interrogate anything past paying lip service to, you know, feminism or whatever. 
Uh, yeah, it's so good because it's like this is a show, particularly this family story is about how you can't go home. You can't like, um, you know, make nostalgia come to life or your fantasy about, you know, a scene from The Godfather or whatever come to life just because you have bloodlines in Sicily. But you also like you basically can't escape your fate. Like Dom blames his father's womanizing for how he turned out. You mm-hmm. know, he cheats on his wife. He is a sex addict. And uh, Albie looks at both of these two and thinks he'll never be like that. But I, he is falling into a trap of he's going to end up just like his dad, you know? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I, I hate Albie so much. Um, not least for the crime of I'm sure he would be a terrible lay. Um, <laughs> speaking of somebody who um, would not be terrible in bed, let's talk about uh, the couple Cameron and Daphne um, who are unabashedly rich assholes who are here for a good time, not for a long time. And uh, they are obliviously just uh you know being terrible up front like cameron sleeps with the same prostitute um when his wife is out of town for the night um she is playing a game with him by going out of town for the night because she was mad about something um and yeah, they are dynamic is great yeah they're just yeah blissfully happy on the outside and you know on the inside for the most part but you know they've they're secretly manipulating each other all the time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, justifying their behavior in very creative ways that I respect. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, for my money, they're probably the most morally unproblematic people on the show because, again, they're just like, what you see is what you get. They're just rich, vapid, hedonistic assholes who are 100% choosing to participate in that um, and going with it. <laughs> and, uh yeah, I I don't I keep waiting. Harper and Ethan are the couple that are on this vacation with them, played by Aubrey Plaza and some other guy. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Everybody's eclipsed by Aubrey Plaza in this season. Um, but uh, she is immediately suspicious of Cameron and Daphne with their overt PDA, with their you know constant like just cheery like hail fellow well met good time it just sort of obli- i mean vibe. i really like the scene that resonated with me is when they're first sort of like warming up to each other and uh harper says something about how the world is terrible and they're just like no what are you talking about and it comes out that they don't read the news they maybe vote they don't remember if they voted this year or not and harper and ethan are just like so disdainful of this which i think like no, no one escapes in a in a, in the white lotus you know like yeah. these obnoxious liberals who tell themselves they're good people because they you know watch msnbc like looking down on people because they they don't watch the news and in that scene i found myself like siding with cameron and daphne because it's like watch all the news you want it doesn't make a difference in the world you're not a better person because you like know what's going on in yeah. ukraine every single fucking day <laughs> yeah yeah, a hundred percent. And that is uh, the central premise of the tension between the two couples is that, uh, yeah, Ethan and Harper believe themselves to be better and happier. And as the show progresses, you see that their relationship is basically dead. Ethan, for some reason, does not want to have sex with Harper. And uh, 
Ethan reverts to is the story that he went to college with Cameron. They were college roommates. Yeah, I think they were roommates. Okay, so Ethan is you know kind of a dweeby tech guy, and Cameron is you know would have been like the big man on campus in college. And uh, you see Ethan immediately revert to you know hating Cameron, but also wanting to be him. And, uh, you know, they're basically their, uh, their like dick swinging contest is just kind of, back, yeah. back and forth the entire time. Um, well, I think Cameron gets off on the fact that Ethan is like a beta to him, you mm-hmm. know, and he's perfectly comfortable with their relationship until Ethan, you know, shows any sort of, uh, you know, tries to one up him in any way. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. You got to respect it. I'm I'm for Cam- <laughs> I'm for Cameron in this situation. Um, the Ethan and Harper relationship is so interesting to me because, first of all, Aubrey Plaza has never looked better. It is wholly unbelievable that her husband would not want to fuck her on vacation. Um, but uh, it's also so interesting because you see the Aubrey Plaza character as everybody's saying like she's no fun she's square she's you know too serious she's not like getting loose and enjoying the vacation the way she should and um you see as the show progresses that the real source of her personality being like that is ethan um and he is in every relationship in his relationship with her too that he's just completely unable to address anything that's actually going on you know she she asks him if he is still attracted to her if he wants to have sex with her and he says I love you and she's like that's so depressing like that's not what she asked and um he's just completely incapable of dealing with anything head on and uh I think that's something that as women doesn't always get portrayed that you know the women who are doing all the emotional work in a relationship are then like, well, you're not fun. Yeah, because it's like yeah. I'm carrying the entire mental load for this entire relationship. Like, I don't have time to be fun. I'm trying to like address a real issue. And when you're meeting that type of resistance with somebody who won't, you know, meet you there, um, it's, yeah, it's really hard. Um, and I think it's very well illustrated, you know, you think at first that you're like, God, Harper's so uptight and she's like, she just needs to chill. And like, then as it progresses, you see that she's not really the only problem in the relationship. Yeah, yeah. But do you think Ethan is really her only problem? I feel like she has broader insecurities that like being around people like Daphne and Cameron just makes her insecure. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not just about her relationship yeah. with Ethan. Although you make a good point. I think it's there their outward affection for each other and seeming, you know, just blissful happiness is just as, you know, just reminds her that her relationship is uh, sexless and dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can go to Italy all you want. You still won't get laid. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, so eventually uh, Lucia is going to sleep with everyone, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, she She really, like, my husband and I were talking about, like, why the two women Lucia and Mia sort of a reluctant um community outreach worker I guess yeah (laughs) Yeah. well so Lucia's hired by 
dom for the week, but uh, he lets her go after one night. But the women are just hanging around the resort every night. And I was like, are they from out of town? Like, why don't they go home at night? But just uh, picking up. Picking up freelance work every night. Yeah, rise and grind. It's uh, it's the hustle. You know, you gotta gotta yeah. take advantage of the Americans while they're in town. Um, it's open season on Americans, baby. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, she does sleep with everybody. Uh, speaking of sleeping with people, there is a um, there's an underlying tension between Harper and Cameron, um, and he is blatantly hitting on her. Um, and Ethan in this last episode believes that something might have happened between them because while he was swimming, they, um, were missing and he went up to the room and the room was locked and their adjoining doors were open. Um, do you in fact think that she did sleep with Cameron? Do you think she will sleep with Cameron? Do you think she wants to sleep with Cameron? Um, I think that she did not because she seems very smug and I think if she did she would seem more guilty but I think she actually didn't and she is enjoying that Ethan is finally spiraling you know like yeah feels possessive or you know is displaying anything resembling like passion or you know jealousy um I think she does I mean Cameron's that type of guy that like like I sort of identify with the Aubrey Plaza character she's you know looks down her nose at everyone. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he's totally the type of guy who, like, I wouldn't even consider sleeping with or whatever. Because, like, that kind of guy just doesn't see people like me. But, you know, as soon as he, like, drunkenly touched my leg, I would definitely sleep with him. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would hate you yourself. Know, he's just the type of guy who, if he, like, lasers his extreme, like, uh, charisma in your direction, no matter what, how much of a fucking douche he is, uh, it's uh, dazzling, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's what your do you think? he's your classic. Oh, hundred percent agree with that assessment. He's your classic narcissist who uh, just sees you know other people as basically like a reflection of him being charming, <laughs> essentially. And uh, yeah, we. I do am not and, immune um, to that. No, I don't. I don't think they did. Um, yeah, I think she is holding out. I think there is a possibility that she may sleep with him at some point. But um, yeah, or she certainly wants to. Um, and I think that type of guy is, I don't know. Yeah, as you said, just if he lasers his charm your way, then as much as you would hate yourself, you yep. would have a hard time being immune to it. So, yeah. Um, question about Daphne, his wife, um, mother of his children maybe or maybe her trainer's children uh did you pick that up when she was talking to harper about how she has a trainer in the city that she 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 vaguely was saying that she has an affair with her trainer and uh then (laughs) well she uh basically was saying that she's in a relationship with her trainer and then she showed harper a picture of her children who are both blonde as is her trainer um, oh, that's, I didn't pick that up. I thought she said, do you want to see a picture, meaning the trainer, mm-hmm. that she's fucking. And she showed her a picture of her children as a, I, my red string went too far. I thought that was like, you can, you know, blow up my life by telling 
Cameron this or telling me that Cameron's fucking around, but I have children. Yeah. We have a delicate balance that we're maintaining here. So maybe just stay out of it. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that crazy? No, that's, that's what I thought too. But then, um, many of the theories online are that she talked about how her trainer was tall and blonde and both of her children are blonde. So many of the yeah, theories on, online are that uh, it is, in fact, her trainer's children. Um, and they do have a real reindeer game situation going on in their marriage. <laughs> um, and the Daphne character is fascinating to me because she's somebody who 100% participates in the system that uh, that, you know, gives her like this life of privilege and she is beyond a willing participant in it. Like, I think she sees it as her right to be privileged and rich and have everything she desires. Um, and I, it's just fascinating to me um, to see the, yeah, the juxtaposition basically between Harper and um, Daphne and, it's undeniable that Daphne is the happier of the two. <laughs> um, so it's yeah, I, mean, I think Harper is like, uh, you know, a liberal and someone who's newly rich mm-hmm. feels like this duty to feel guilty about enjoying, you know, luxury and extreme wealth. Whereas Daphne is just, you know, she's perfectly comfortable with it and doesn't like, doesn't put on a show about being you know, feeling guilty or anything like that. And that makes Harper very uncomfortable. Yeah. It's interesting that uh, the first episode opens with Daphne uh, swimming in the water and discovering a body floating there. And tonight, I assume, we'll find out who the body is. Although it would be a real flex if Mike White just never addressed the body again. (laughs) That would be incredible. Actually, I rewatched the first episode yesterday just to refresh it's not just the body floating, but when the, I think, police or Rocco or someone is mm-hmm. talking to Valentina, the, the woman who runs the hotel, he says there are other bodies. Yeah. Like, there is at least two people dead, maybe even three. So. Yeah. So let's get to it. Who do you think is dead? I have, I have no idea. All we know is it's not Daphne and it's not Valentina. Um, I, I mean, they've set up, so they've set up. Grandpa Bert, obviously very old. It wouldn't be shocking if he died of natural causes. They keep he keeps hitting his head and falling <laughs> down. And shit. Yeah. Um, and also, I oh, I think it's the perfect ending for Grandpa Bert, who's maligning the fact that you can't go home again, and then he will yeah. die in the land of his ancestors. Yeah, they can drop by his family's house one more time and be like, can we please just bury his body? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They'll just weekend at Bernie's, Uncle, weekend at Bernie's, Bert, just on the porch (laughs) in Sicily forever. Yeah. Um, Tanya, who we haven't even talked about yet, Jennifer Coolidge's character, is clearly the the target of some sort of elaborate scheme between her her husband who hates her and all the high-end gays, as she calls them. <laughs> um, yep. Daphne says in the first episode when they're talking about TV they watch that she loves Dateline because it's always about husbands killing their wives on vacation. So that foreshadows mm-hmm. something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're sort of setting up that Albie is endangering himself by trying to get between Lucia and her pimp, but I don't really believe that that's 
her pimp. I don't think she has a pimp. Yeah, I don't. I agree. Uh, I don't think she has a pimp. I think Alessio is uh, potentially her brother or boyfriend or something. I don't believe he's her pimp. And yeah, I do think that something could go off the rails there with Albie trying to be a white knight. And I don't know, I'm just, I don't know if I should try to extrapolate messages from the first season to this season, but it's like the, the people who are the most, you know, blithe assholes who don't care who they step on are usually the ones who survive. So Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> who's the put upon loser who's going to get killed this time? Is it going to be Portia? I do believe it's going to be Portia. Yeah, I think Portia's... For the best. She... <laughs> R.I.P. to Portia and her Delia's catalog um, wardrobe. <laughs> I will not hear you malign the Delia's catalog that way. Okay, it's a limited. She limit- could do so much better if she shopped from the Delia's catalog. R.I.P. It's a limited to catalog um, wardrobe. Uh, yeah, re- really wild. Uh, Mike White really swinging for the fences by establishing that she is from the Bay Area, which is why she dresses like I. I don't know what she dresses like. Um, I do think I mean, that she dresses like a, you know, she, so she's Tanya's assistant. She's very yeah. young. She's having like a young quarter life post-college crisis, I guess. And yeah. It's directionless and searching for meaning. And I think her wardrobe just reflects that she's trying to, she's trying to glean meaning from, uh, you know, uh, stuff, which is what we do in, in, in this bullshit capitalist world. Like, you express yourself through what you consume and she's trying to express that she has a personality. Yeah, she doesn't. Um, (laughs) The the thing about Portia, the reason I do think that she is the one who ends up dead is because first of all, it fits that, you know, a lowly assistant, nobody is, including Tanya, nobody's ever going to give her a second thought. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. going to be that she dies Um, and she is searching for meaning and all she really wants is like to feel something but she puts no effort forth about trying to figure anything out. She's just waiting for yeah, everything to, yeah, she's just waiting for everything to come to her. And she is, uh, she has ignored her instincts and everyone's, um, everyone's input at literally every turn. So I think um, it's probably, you know, she is somehow going to end up dead. Um, <clears throat> as I said, this show really does have a rabid fan base of people who are trying to um, extract meaning from everything. There's entire, you know, theses written on like the art in the hotel and the meanings behind that. Um, But I do think it makes sense that Portia will be the one um, who dies because nobody's going to miss her. And it also (laughs) sort of gives her the, it, it kind of, you know, somebody who's like searching for meaning and she wants to feel something. And I, I feel like, you know, this will be her. Um, I don't know. She'll she'll get a GoFundMe out of it, you know, which is the most that Portia could ever hope for. Or at least, you know, it, it'll be an interesting death for her to have her moment of, of you know, feeling something or whatever. Yeah. 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 Good riddance. Um, <laughs> Anyone else? Um, I, I do think it's likely that Grandpa Bert dies. Um, and other than that, I don't know. They um, teased it as Cameron and Ethan. Um, 
having, you know, a pretty big fight in the water. Um, so, I, but it's wholly unlikely that anyone, male and <laughs> male and young will die, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> what else was I going to say about uh, that? Yeah, I don't know. I do think it would be hilarious if they just never addressed the body again. Um, I, I also think there's a possibility that one of the local escorts, Lucia or Mia, ends up dead. Um, that makes sense. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see. Um, Mia, uh, Lucia, actually, is the one who's, you know, more uh, a confident sex worker, I guess, not a reluctant sex worker like Mia sort of ends up being. She does have sort of a crisis where she feels like she's going to be punished for what she's yeah. doing. Mm-hmm. So. I wonder if that's foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, like, she's, wait, getting real Catholic on <laughs> <laughs> She's definitely trying to run some type of scam on Albie. And I do think yeah. that it's going to be that same thing where, like, Albie will walk away unscathed and she will, um, yeah, she will die. And then he will dine out on that story about how he tried to save an escort in Italy one time and how she ended up dying. He'll dine oh, out no, on that story right. for the rest of his life. <laughs> and, uh Yeah. Albie's a monster, you guys. <laughs> Truly a monster. Um, yeah. Uh, and then uh, let's talk about Valentina, the um, the hotel manager. <clears throat> Excuse me. Last season, Armand, the manager of the White Lotus in Hawaii, is the person who ended up dead uh, at Jake Lacey's hand. And uh, I'm delighted to say that I don't feel like Valentina's going out like that. you like she has a force field around her i do think she has a force field around her i I think that valentina is just like absolutely not valentina is i mean we know she's not dead she's in the scene where they're telling her about the dead body yeah (laughs) but (laughs) she literally is protected but i just think that it's also like there is no situation in which valentina would end up dead like valentina is self-aware enough to be like absolutely not i'm out (laughs) like before any of this happens i don't know the way she was flirting with isabella like so cluelessly she's not self-aware she's insane (laughs) she's a repressed lesbian um i guess i mean i can see how that would make you crazy but um i wouldn't call her self-aware okay (laughs) all right well fine (laughs) i just i don't see her you know dying for her job but yeah maybe as you said the way she's relentlessly flirting with Isabella who is not interested um what do you think about Tanya and her gaggle of high-end gays what do you think the end game is there I it's yeah I I'm really enjoying this storyline it's over the top Tanya gets adopted by some high-end gays and whisked away to uh, the opera or something. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer, yeah. I mean, Tanya is such an amazing character. I can't, she's such a mix of like pathetic, but like self-centered and dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Asking a random woman at the opera if she's the queen of Sicily. Sicily. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. And then Quentin, the guy who is grooming her for whatever it is they're trying to do, uh, when his face when she said that was, I couldn't tell if he was like, oh, I've bitten off more than I can chew or like, oh, this is going to be so much easier than I even thought. Yeah, I think he was just delighted by it. Yeah. yeah. But they're cooking up something and the reveal at the end of episode six is that 
this old friend that Quentin has told her about who he's been in love with, but was a straight man. It's uh, Greg, Tanya's husband. So, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever elaborate scheme they're tra- trying to do to defraud this woman of her money, I feel like I could have come up with something a lot simpler, you know, <laughs> just to yeah. just say that she's not of sound mind and somehow become her guardian or whatever. Like, I think the paperwork on that takes 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> But they've, they've got a whole party, they've got cocaine, they've got a rented villa or something. They've got a fake nephew uh, sequestering Portia away to keep her out of it while they do whatever it is they're doing. It's mystifying. Yeah, the... the... I guess, like, whatever it is they're doing, they just, they're, they are so gay that they had to, you know, give it, give it a lot of zhuzh. Oh, yeah, there's going to be an off-Broadway play about what they did, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, they... Uh, That's the end game. <laughs> but <laughs> the online um, discourse around what the plan is, is it started off by saying that he was supposed to kill Tanya and make it look like an accident. Um, right. That's what it seemed. It seemed simple at first. You but, know, yeah. your wife to some place with a lot of boats. Oops, she... Yeah, she fell off a boat, you know? Classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, then the discourse changed to say, we see her um, sort of passively having sex with uh, a local Lothario, basically. Um, and uh, people are saying that it's uh, to invoke some infidelity clause and render the prenup... Um, Null and void, basically. So that's how Greg's going to get the money. Um, and I think Tanya is really interesting because she is an absolute moron. Um, but also she has some sort of steely reserve inside that yeah. that keeps her going. Like she says earlier on in the season that like she notices things. So for her to see that picture and then to acquiesce to having sex with this guy, I feel like is something that Tanya's aware of. Like, I think she saw Greg. She knows that there's something going on and it's like her way of letting him go or whatever. I, I don't know. I feel like Tanya's got more going on than she lets on. Yeah, there's. I mean, I think it's just such a powerful sense of entitlement that it gets her through life you know it's like she can't she can't function or do anything but she she deals with that by just having her assistant come on vacation with her to take care of everything and you know like just uh (laughs) i really enjoyed when she got the tarot card reader who gave her information she didn't like Mm -hmm. she got very very mad and then immediately started thinking about how she should have opened that spa with the spa woman from hawaii yeah hawaii but then her thoughts turned to like, you know, except people who run spas can be very witchy. Do you think yeah. she put a curse on me? It's just like always coming up with ways in which the world's, all the world's energy is focused on her, whether it's, you know, conspiring against her or, or not. And uh, yeah, I think that could turn into sort of a protective bubble, you know, just an extreme sense of entitlement. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, Really was not expecting it, but I'm all in on this season. Yeah. Yeah, really good. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, how do you, how do you top this? What is the 
the setting going to be for a season three, presuming we get one? Oh, I don't know. You had a good theory on that, though. You think it's going to be like a safari or like... I think it's going to be some kind of ecotourism, whether it's like a safari or uh, like Antarctica or something. And I feel like it'll be... I mean, I think that's just such a great setting because you can... It's. I've always... Yeah. Like, you know, a bunch of white people allegedly there to appreciate nature or watch animals or, you know, learn about the environment or something. And then we can see the the staff of hundreds of locals who prepare them gourmet meals every night and set up massive tents in the jungle and drive the 37 Jeeps or whatever that they <laughs> yeah. take to go see a single hyena or something. Like, I feel like that's it. Maybe that's even too easy. Shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think that's a, that's a great theory. Um, people are very mad about the fact that they eat in the hotel every night and don't, you know, they're in Italy and they're not exploring anything other than this hotel. And I have to agree with that, but you know, maybe it's all inclusive and you're just leaving <laughs> money on the table. No, I think it's, it's again, like the, the real thing is these people crave they're not interesting people. You know, they don't crave new experiences. They want, like, yeah, the hotel the pasta. Fucking, the DeGrasso clan goes on a fucking Godfather tour. Yeah. <laughs> and they end up in a place with these, like, a stupid gift shop where you can buy Godfather merch. It's just, it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They wouldn't leave the hotel. They don't care about Sicily. They're just there. It could be Mexico. It could be, you know... Arizona or whatever it doesn't matter they're just there for the luxury yeah they don't crave they don't crave anything or they're not interested in anything um other than you know ease um yeah but it is it is too bad we haven't seen more food porn to be honest yeah I guess I mean yeah I was was gonna say that it's in line with them not being there to experience the culture but it, the, the show gives us a lot of other porn. Like there are so many lavish interiors and beautiful drone shots of the the seaside and all that. It's I won't say it. You know, it's not like trying to make a point that this is actually depraved or like unpleasant somehow. It's it it revels in the the physical beauty of the space, just not the culture, I guess. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Mike White, you've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> Never doubted you, not for a moment. Um, No, as I said, I do think that what I'm enjoying more about this season is that it does seem a little bit more level of a playing field, I guess. Or, you know, the the, most of the harm that's being inflicted is being inflicted upon the terrible people themselves by themselves. Um, (laughs) Which, yeah, (laughs) with oh yeah, it's definitely going to be the locals for sure. Um, It's not going to be anyone of import. It's going to be Portia and Uncle Bert and then maybe one of the girls. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll be live tweeting. No, we won't be, we won't be <laughs> live tweeting it. But the last episode of The White Lotus airs tonight on HBO. Um, HBO Max, I guess now. It's not just HBO, right? No idea. I don't know. Anyway, um, so you can see it there. Um, do you have any final thoughts about... around it uh think pieces about this and i feel like maybe all the good take writers are on holiday vacation because there are some 
just bottom of the barrel take out there. <laughs> I sent you a few clips from this art, this unhinged, a truly deranged article I was reading. It was like trying to make a point about the nudity in the show and how what it really needs to do beyond showing, you know, women's tits and penises is a uh, show holes. <laughs> <laughs> it made the case for why the white Lotus needs to show holes. And, uh, this person who wrote this needs psychiatric help. Um, a no, don't show holes. No, no one wants that unless they're on Pornhub. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't know, they made, there, there was all this stuff about how, like, um, actually, like, penises on television are usually prosthetics, but if we saw real penises, it would normalize real penises, and, like, maybe the actors don't want video of their real penises out there. Did you think about this? <laughs> it's not just, like, some weird exercise. People don't want their actual, like, intimate parts floating around the internet for all of eternity. It, it was just, like, it really made me think that, like, internet culture and, like, the way Gen Z is conditioned to just, like, click next, next, next on YouTube or whatever, like, I think we've trained a generation of people to just react to everything by saying, show hole! Yeah. <laughs> uh, like not me. I yeah. don't want that. And also, what a strange legacy to leave that that's yeah. your article. Like, yeah. that's your hill to die on is that yeah. there's... You should have just shown hole. A hundred percent. All right. Well, as we said, The White Lotus airs tonight, the finale. I will certainly be watching on HBO Max. And uh, we'll be back next week with more TV on the radio. Keep it here on BFF.FM. Indie Rock Girl Radio is coming up next. And we'll be back next week with more TV on the radio. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. I'm not a lot of words, 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 I'm not a lot of words,